Welcome to the Business Awards Show, where we share valuable information and secret nuggets to get your award entry noticed by the judges for all the right reasons. Our weekly episodes also feature inspirational interviews with winners, judges and sponsors. So let's dive in and start your journey to award-winning success. Hello, it's Debbie Gilbert here from the Business Awards Show, and I'm also the founder of the Best Business Women Awards. And today I am delighted to be joined by Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive, who is a silver winner in the Best Business Women Awards this year for Best Coach. And uh, she's also been involved in a number of other awards as well, which we'll talk a bit about later. Um, Jane not only runs her own business, but has a podcast as well. So I'm talking to another podcast pro today, which is always interesting. And we're also going to chat a bit about transitioning life from somebody who was working like freelancing around a business as a side hustle into that world of full-time business owner. So we're going to be talking about all of that today. So welcome, Jane. Thanks, Debbie. It's so nice to be here. Thank you oh, for asking me. And, and no. also... Hurrah for silver winners. My goodness me. So exciting. Well done. So let's start by talking about this business, Quiet the Hive, Mm -hmm. which you started as a sort of side hustle. That was your words, side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. So talk me through what made you start it as a side hustle and then how you transitioned that into a full-time business. So it's really funny, isn't it? I was talking to a friend recently about the word side hustle and she really doesn't like it because it doesn't feel like something on the side when you're doing it. Now, I still refer to it as the side hustle because that's what it was for me, but it never was like part-time. It was full-on, full-on, full-on. But I was doing Quiet Hive alongside working full-time. So I had a senior management position in the NHS working nationally, um, looking at flexible working. Um, And I also have two boys as well who take up um, a lovely amount of time um, (laughs) are quite a handful and I was finding that so I set up quite the hive in January 2019 um, and I'll talk a little bit about how it came about but I did that side hustle until September 22 so last September I took a sabbatical and it was supposed to be a year-long sabbatical and the idea was to see if I could make quiet the hive fly and I did And um, I was very lucky to have a very rare opportunity to take voluntary redundancy. And I took that in June, the end of June. So from the 1st of July, 2023, I am quite the hive. That's what I do. And it's taken me ages to get my head around saying that that is my main thing. Mm -hmm. That is what I do. But it's, it's been a really lovely and incredible journey. I've been incredibly lucky to be able to do it on the side, build it up, test it out, see if it works and then make it fly. Amazing. So where did you come up with the idea? What what started it? So Quiet the Hive was born from a particular week that I had where I coached or mentored a different woman every day that week. And each of them sat in front of me and apologised for taking up space, felt that they were failing as parents, as employees, as line managers, as spouses and friends. And I sat in front of each and every one of them thinking, you are incredible. And they just couldn't see it for themselves. 
And I went away from that week thinking there is something that I have to do. And my, actually, my flagship program, um, which is now called Awakening Women's Lives, was born before Quiet the Hive, really, because I knew I wanted to bring them together. Because as women, I think, and this is the beauty of awards as well, and we'll talk a bit more about this, but I think as women, we are so good at saying, you're incredible, Debbie. Why wouldn't you do that? Yes, go and do it. It's fantastic. You are such a capable person. And yet we're rubbish at doing it for ourselves. So bringing those women together and creating that flagship program for me was really important and the first step in making that happen. Yeah, and I think what you're doing is actually quite aligned with the awards and what I'm trying to do, which is the whole element of empowering women and recognising their achievements and powering them forwards because, oh, you know, life is tough. There's no doubt about it. We have it in some ways easier than any of the previous generations before us in some ways but in some ways I think we have it much much harder than them yeah because we're expected to do so many things and so many you know roles in life so I love what you're doing and talk me through how people can work with you what what's your key elements of your programs so obviously I am now a silver winner for best coach, but I am a coach. So I've been coaching since 2015. Um, I am ILM7 qualified executive coach, um, but I do one-to-one coaching. I have my flagship program, which is Awakening Women's Lives. So it's a six-month program where I work with a really tiny cohort of women so I can be completely available to them. And we look at where they are now, where they want to be, and basically how to cross that bridge and fill that gap. And a lot of that is spent talking about things like the inner critic and how you can get out of your own way, making brave choices, all that sort of stuff. Um, And then I have some online and smaller programs. I have career confidence, which is for a slightly larger cohort. And we talk about all the things that might trip you up and stymie you in your career, that imposter syndrome, that speaking with confidence, that how do you own and celebrate your achievements, which is one of the things I think that the um, awards are just so great for is they do make you celebrate your achievements, don't they? They make you stand up and say, here I am, look at me and look at what I've achieved. Um, And I also have an online program called The Compass. And then I do lots of corporate masterclasses. So I've been... I've been lucky enough, I've just um, been asked by Pfizer to work with their global women's network. So I've got three sessions with them coming up and I'm keynote speaking for the Roald Dahl Nurses Conference in October. So all sorts of different bits and bobs. But I love that I am lucky enough to be able to see the transition for women who I work with who go through quite life-changing experiences, Mm. I think just from giving themselves the time and the space to think about what they want. Because like you say, we've been, um, I I, I suppose, especially sort of our generation, maybe the one before, have been told that we can have everything Mm. and we can do everything. And actually we must do everything. And that's really hard to do. And it means you have no time for yourself. Yeah, and this is a common theme. Is that a common theme that you see? That people aren't making space for themselves at all yeah completely and I think as women we put ourselves at the bottom of the to-do list Mm. we have this um this societal concept that we must be good girls we must do the chores before we do the pleasure we must be nice and kind and put other people first and attend Mm. to everyone else's needs 
And I think that a lot of women, I mean, I'm 47 now. I work, tend to work with women between about sort of 35 and 55. Mm. A lot of those women are suddenly realizing, oh my gosh, I've spent so long prioritizing other people. I have no idea what my dreams are, let alone how do I put them first? I don't even know what they are anymore. Mm. So a lot of the work I do is to work with women who say, I know something has to change, but I don't know what it is. Or I know I want to do something for me, but I have no idea where to start. Yeah, so you're helping them gain that clarity and exploration, really. Yeah. Um, so has this always been a passion of yours or is this something that... Yeah, it has really. So I, if you look back to my um, school reports, they say, uh, you know, if, if only Jane put enough, as much effort into her own work as helping other people, she'd do really <laughs> well. Um, so I've always been someone who's curious about other people. My degree is in psychology and then I did a master's in health psychology. I've obviously got my coaching qualification. I, I just... I really hate so when I it was almost like an overnight epiphany so when Mm. I turned 40 it was almost like overnight I woke up and I thought well I have to think of a way to say this without swearing well heck to this why am I bothered about what other people are thinking of Mm. me why am I making choices in my life based on what other people think Mm. and it took me so long to realize that other people are not the priority, you know, to quote the the Mary Oliver quote, you know, what, what will you do with this one wild and precious life? At the time, my mum had been diagnosed with secondary breast cancer. I'd realised I was in a marriage where I wasn't happy. I felt lonely. And it was just this massive epiphany. And so all the tools, all of the stuff that I've done to coach and help and support myself through episodes of bullying and gaslighting at work, through a incredibly amicable divorce through moving house through the death of my mum through a period of depression all Mm. the stuff I've used to get myself through that that's now what I'm sharing because I don't want other people to have to wait till they're 40 or 50 or 60 Mm. or 70 and go oh my goodness you know my my vision for quiet hive is that I want women who work with me to get to the end of their days surrounded by all the books they've written or the million of lovers they've had or whatever it might be and go, heck, what a ride. Yeah. Rather than, I wish I'd been brave enough to do mm. this. Or if only I had the courage to do that. And so that's what I keep as my vision for the women I work with. And where did the name Quiet the Hive come from then? <laughs> so it's all about the buzz that's going on in your head and how oh, you it down. So right, whether okay. it's the voice of the inner critic, the mental load that so many women carry, just the constant buzz that's going on. Also, I do have to tell you, Debbie, it had to be something to do with bees because my nickname is Bee. So I've no- been known as Janie Bee for a long time. My maiden name was Bellamy. So um, I've um... always been Bee, so it had to be something. But it's all about quietening down that inner buzz, really, and allowing yourself the time. To mm, my goodness, mate. So what made you start up a podcast? Always interested to ask that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I was, it's funny enough, I was looking back at it today, um, and it started in 2020. Mm-hmm. So I think it must have been sort of that I'd found my stride a little bit with Quiet Hive. I was starting to get curious about what other people had to teach me. I think probably the lockdown had something to do with it as well. But I just, I don't, well, we we talked about this a little bit before we pressed record. I just love hanging out with other people and hearing (laughs) about their stories. I just think it's brilliant. So um, it's really interesting actually to be a guest on a podcast rather than hosting it. Um, but it's just such a great opportunity mm. to 
hear from other people about their stories, the advice they'd share, what their struggles have been and how they've overcome them. Mm. And I love, um, I don't know whether you've ever heard the Elizabeth Day podcast, How to Fail, mm. um, really good one. And I, mm. I love how the conversation she has quite often lead people to kind of revelations as they're talking so it's not just about this failure it's about actually what did I learn from the failure or Mm. what did I do differently as a result of it that had this wonderful impact and I find that a lot of the conversations I have by the end of them people are going oh and I'd never thought about it in this way and Mm. and I had um I've had a couple of episodes where I've had friends or business partners um talking and you know two of them were saying it's just so lovely we've never had this conversation about what it means to be friends and Mm. work together and so for other people I think the bonus is sometimes you get those little sparks and those little epiphanies yeah it's like the ear wigging onto a conversation isn't it Mm. so tell us the name of the podcast so we can put that from inside the hive so just from inside inside fantastic well we'll definitely mention that so obviously you've had a long career in um with the NHS wasn't it that's right yeah. yeah so that would have been surrounded by a lot of red tape no doubt and a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of you know structure mm-hmm. and so how have you found the transition from that to running your own business oh Debbie <laughs> uh, what a brilliant question and what an excellent insight into the NHS it is it's it's very necessarily risk averse the mm. NHS and it's it's a massive organization and the people in it are phenomenal gifted compassionate dedicated individuals Mm. but the bureaucracy is an absolute Mm. nightmare Mm. and the joy of not having to wait 12 18 months to sign something off if I wake up on a Tuesday morning and I want to do something by Tuesday afternoon it's done it's It's out there I've launched Mm. a podcast I've written an article I've just submitted a book proposal that the only person who's had to sign it off is me Mm. you know all of that stuff is so liberating and my last role in the NHS was head of flexible working trying to enable flexible working across the whole of the NHS in England which was really difficult to do with a so, so hold on, let's wind back again. Head of flexible working. Yeah. Right. So, so so you were responsible for people who wanted to work flexibly within the NHS? To, to try to change the culture to make it more right. acceptable. So, you know, I'm really proud of the work that my team and mm. I did. We managed to change the terms and conditions to include flexible working from day one, mm-hmm. whereas the statutory right is 26 weeks. So, so we we really worked hard and got things done um but it was really difficult as mm. well because because there are so many boxes to tick and so many things mm. to go through um so actually being able to make your own decisions and do your own thing is is a real joy and blessing although it does mean as well you will know Debbie when you start out you have to be uh the finance director you have to be <laughs> you have to be the social media manager you have to be the marketing and the PR Mm. you have to be the IT support you have to be the um admin person you know Mm. all of those roles and it's such steep learning curve but it's so rewarding and have you managed to outsource some of those functions now to get support (laughs) so the one thing I do outsource and did quite quickly is I have an accountant because I do all my own bookkeeping because I like to see where I am and what's going on but 
to do my end of year returns and all of that mm. stuff. That was the first thing that I outsourced. And it's the thing I really recommend, unless you are absolutely hot on finance and, and the legalities around it, that is the first thing to go, I think. Yeah. Actually, I found it really rewarding doing the other stuff myself. So I I don't do, you know, all the podcast stuff is me. Mm-hmm. All of the social media stuff is me. Oh, wow. If you send me an email, it's me who deals with it. Although I do like, I heard a story once about David Tennant who invented secretary because he wasn't very good at saying no to things. So he invented this persona. I think her name was <laughs> Margaret or something. And he used to reply to emails and Mar- as Margaret saying, well, David would love to do this, but I'm afraid he's got a very busy schedule. <laughs> So sometimes that does I sound like David might, Tennant. Uh, yeah, I think sometimes I might have my own Margaret, but no, everything else is in house at the moment. Well, that is incredible to be honest with you. Um, that you're managing to juggle quite a few hats and your children. How old are your children? So I have two boys who are eleven and twelve, and wow. I have to say they're an absolute blooming dream, and they mm. have really benefited and enjoyed the fact. So the eldest one calls himself the heir to quiet the hive. That's what he calls himself. Mm. Um, he's already decided he's working for Quiet the Hive. Um, when I got a new partner, his first question is, will he inherit the business or do I still get it? <laughs> you think, um, I think actually he should be a lawyer by the sound of it. So, I think so. So he's really, what's lovely is they are both so passionate about the fact that I work for myself and I've set yeah. this business up from scratch. And the difference is since leaving my full-time employment to have just one job rather than two, mm. When they come home from school, that that's it. I yeah. close down. There are times when I'll say, look, boys, I just need to do this quickly. Mm-hmm. And they're fine with that because it means they get some device time. But when I was working full time, I would pick them up from school. They'd get put into their bedrooms on their devices for another three hours while I finished my working day because I did oh, compress wow. days. Okay. Then it would be cooking dinner, et cetera, spending an hour with them before bed. Then I would start doing quite the hive work. Mm. Mm. Now, when they come home from school, I am theirs. Even if they don't want me, I am theirs. And that is such a huge difference. And they are, I think, much more settled as a result of Mm. that as well. Oh, it's precious. It's totally, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm 25 years in with my business this year. And I know. And my children are now 20, coming up for 29. One of them will be 29 next month. And the other one's just hit 22. And do you know what? Those years, Jane, you never get them back. So precious. And it's so important. And that's what I always say to people, you know, try and spend as much time as you can with your children whilst they're young. Because while they, when they get to late teens, they don't want to be around you in the yeah. same way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they still need you, but it's different. Yeah, it's totally different. different. And they're precious yeah. days, which go so quickly. So what I want to talk to you a bit about now is mm. um, I was interested in the fact that you've done quite a lot of awards and things quite quickly and what your thought process was behind that. So um, I was really lucky to be recognized as an F entrepreneur. I also for the 2020 Mm -hmm. cohort. And that was a friend who said, you should enter this. And I went, okay. And I entered (laughs) it and got picked, which was amazing. And the same for the Small Business Saturday. And then I had a bit of a hiatus. And then this year um, I entered the Small Awards and was shortlisted Mm -hmm. for At Your Service, which which I was really proud of. Obviously, one silver for best coach, which was just a thrill. And I'm waiting to hear. I've just um, found out that I'm a finalist for Transforming Lives Award for the National mm. Facilitator Awards, which is just above and beyond because it's um, 
for my uh, flagship program, Awakening Women's Lives. So that feels lovely. But I think, okay, so so here's a naivety that I'm going to expose to you, Debbie. Before I had my own business, I thought people came to you and said, oh, you're doing really well. We're going to give you an award. I had no idea you had to enter yourself for awards. Mm. And I wonder if people who are listening who haven't entered yet and are listening to this podcast because they're thinking that might be something for me, I wonder whether they realise that because I genuinely didn't know you had to enter your own awards. It's so naive now while I think of it. How would people know you're out there? Well, I think there are awards out there where, you know, particularly company, in-house company awards or certain industries which will do recognition to certain people, a bit like the BAFTAs or or the Oscars or whatever. But even actually people don't realise that even with BAFTAs and Oscars, a lot of those films and TV uh, programmes are actually entered by the TV and film companies in the first place. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people think of voting contests as well Mm. as another vehicle to win an award. However, my view on voting contests for business awards is very low in 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 in, because I think that becomes a popularity contest. Yeah. You know, if you ask people to vote for you, Jane, how does that make me feel that you are as a business owner? To me, if you win it, it becomes like, well, you know, Jane won it because she's got a high social media following or a high email yeah. list, not because... Well, she, well she's bribed a few people. Yeah, she's bribed a few people. And I and I had my fingers burnt, so I entered very early on. I entered um, an awards, and I'm not going to mention what it is, no. but it left me with such a bitter taste in my mouth that I didn't apply for anything else for a long time mm. um, because, you know, I... I entered. It was a how many people can yeah. vote for you. So then you get shortlisted if you've got the most amount of votes. And and I felt very proud that I've been shortlisted and so fortunate that friends and family mm. had spent time voting. And then they said, oh, you'll we'll go through your LinkedIn profile and oh no, we'll do interviews with you. And that's who will decide how we'll decide mm. who'd won. And then at the time, then they announced the winner and they said, we decided this on the LinkedIn profile. And I thought, well, that's not fair because I don't talk about LinkedIn on, uh, talk about quite high on my LinkedIn because that was my NHS profile. Mm. And it, it really, it made me so upset and so cross. I, I'd driven quite a few hours to get to this place, paid a bit of money to d- mm. go to the awards. And it just, it really oh no, that, that's that's not it's on. awful. And what's lovely about your awards is that mm. they just feel so so well done and so mm. measured. And you have to put so much effort and thought into your mm. application. And and actually, it took me a year to build up the courage to apply because I thought, oh, I don't know that I could do. It. And it was such a nice um, process to go through because yeah. it made me reflect on what I do well. And and this is this is something I wanted to say actually. I think with with the awards, it really, one of the modules in my career confidence program is about owning and celebrating your achievements. Mm. And I think that as women, we are not very good at doing that. And quite often we fail in um, job interviews, for example, because we talk about what we did and Mm. we did this and we did this and people can't see what your place is Mm. in that. But it's because we want to celebrate the team that we're part of and be part of everyone together. Um, And actually, what applying for an award does it you have to say this is what I'm great at this yeah is what my clients tell me they yeah. love about me this is where I really think that I excel mm. and although that can feel really squeaky for a lot of people it is an exercise that is not to be undervalued because it reminds you of what you're doing and why you're doing it 
And so Absolutely. being brave about that and owning and celebrating your achievements is not only a great way to put yourself forward for an award, but also a great way to remind yourself that you're in the right place doing the right thing. Exactly. And I think that whole entry process gives you that opportunity to do a 360 degree look at your business from every single angle. And what comes out of that is often things that you will use in areas of your business anyway. So it's never a waste of time. Um, I mean, our process is that three judges look at the entries, they score them according to our criteria, and then the people with the most scores get shortlisted. That's how it works. And Mm. that's why sometimes we get more people in some categories than others, because those people have all got those scores. And you get some categories, you get a huge number of entries and you know, you're then going to get more finalists when you've got that situation. Um, But that's why I've got the silver awards, because I feel that, you know, we only shortlist 30% of the people that enter. Wow. So therefore, that is a mark of achievement. And the award shows that you are a great business. Mm. Because, you know, it'd be lovely to give a gold award to everybody, but then <laughs> what would be the point? We might as well. Yeah, you yeah. devalue the gold. Yeah. You? So the gold award um, for each category and then the finalists in each category get the silver as a mark of, you know, recognition, a mark of quality of that business. So a customer could feel confident working with that business because it's been you know externally validated yeah yeah and you'll know from working in the nhs i assume you would have had six monthly or annual appraisals and you would have sat down with someone who'd have said this this is what you're great at jane and this is your targets and you know you'd have had those reviews and when you run your own business nobody is doing that with you and <laughs> no, that's true jane how so, are you doing great thanks jane how are you yeah. doing <laughs> yeah so an award is almost like that validation hmm. externally of how well are you doing things and you know how well are you working with your customers and what's your processes like in your business etc and you know the fact that you've got multiple ones in a short space of time I think actually demonstrates that you're doing something incredible thank you so you've got to keep doing what you're doing so what's next for you what's the plans for 2024 well, I have just this week submitted my book proposal Ooh. to my book mentor. So I did um wonderful Beth Campton, who's an author of five books. She's just submitted the manuscript for her sixth um, and has been translated into, I think it's about 25 different languages. Um, and she runs a course called um, The Book Proposal Masterclass. And I did that probably now 18 months ago. And I finally thought, you've got to do something with this. So um, over the past couple of months, I've been working on that. So I submitted 20,002 words to her. I don't envy her having to read it. And that's just the Blumen Proposal. Proposal, yeah, I was going to say. So, yeah, so I'm hoping that will be big news in 2024. Um, I am also running my Awakening Women's Lives program again which is growing so I'm seeing more applications for that now which is really exciting I've got someone on the waiting list for the next one I do which I haven't even announced the dates for yet I think it's just it's more of the same but the other thing I want to build on which I think the awards are really good for is that community buzz Mm -hmm. so building a network finding a tribe of people who will really help you because the other thing I've loved about the awards is how many people have reached out to me as my clients or people who've 
attended a masterclass and have said to me, I'm not surprised you're up for that award. You're amazing. And it was the the fact that I said I'm up for this that prompted them to say, well, yeah, of course you are, because here's the impact you have for me. And that was such a rewarding thing Mm. to get back. So it's reminded me how important it is to spend time with people and network. And that's what the awards give you. So I'm coming to um, the drinks that you've got in November. And I'm really looking forward to meeting some more of the the finalists and the winners there as well. Mm, mm, Brilliant. Okay. Yeah, no. And I think that's the thing. And the key thing is to try and extend your reach and connect up with the people that are also um, part of any awards program. So, you know, we're part of F Entrepreneur, which is absolutely an amazing community set up by Michelle Ovens and managed really well by Karen Campbell. And, you know, they run some great events and bring people together. And I've met so many incredible women through that. And, you know, Small Business 100 as well, that you know, Small Business 100, you know, they run, again, lots of online stuff, but they've got their blue tie event coming up, which sadly I can't do this year. But I'll have a drink for you, Debbie. Well, I mean, I am, I'm going to actually, one of the previous winners of Charity Champion, Pramila, uh, she was our Charity Champion back in 2021. She's holding a gala evening, so I'm going to go and support her that night. Um, Because I try and do as much as I can to support people who have been through the awards program. Well, and you've got nearly 10 years of awards winners (laughs) being connected to. I mean, that's incredible. It's such an achievement. I can't believe it. Next year is going to be a big celebration. Ten years, yeah. I mean, it's it is from little acorns, oak trees grow. That's what Absolutely. I always say to people. Okay. You know, if you look at your business, did you imagine that it would come as far as it has? No, you not think at all. You don't. You just don't, do you? You can't even begin to imagine what could be in the future. You can yeah. hope, you can dream, but the reality often looks nothing like how you started off. No. Which and I difficult. think anyone who's listening to this who who is in a corporate role or is thinking about making their side hustle into a full-time business, you know, you, Jane, are a great example of somebody who's done that and made that transition. Because it isn't easy, as we t- as we touched on, uh, especially when you've had that structure. And, and even I found it difficult 25 years ago. I came from managing a team of 12 people, working in corporate land, in the travel industry, and... Oh, going back then, I mean, it sounds weird to say it, but the internet was actually in its infancy and social media didn't exist yeah. when I started yeah. my business. And phones were used for sending 120 character text messages. Wow. <laughs> so how life has moved on. And okay. it's never been easier to set up a business, but actually keeping it sustainable and building it and growing it, I think is the difficult thing. And I think yeah. that's why we like to celebrate entrepreneurship because actually, you know, life life can be a challenge. And this be. is what celebrating is all about. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me today. I shall watch your journey with interest. And I really mm. appreciate you coming on to our podcast. Or well, my mm. podcast, not our podcast. <laughs> we're talking about no, we're coming on to my podcast. Um <laughs> If you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram at uh, at choir underscore the underscore hive. Um, and you can find me on my um, website at www.quietthehive.com. And please do enter the Best Business Women Awards. They are a phenomenal thing to be part of. 
what Debbie's built up is really important and really special and a really valuable way to celebrate the female entrepreneur community. Thanks for listening to the Business Awards show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on social media or leave a rating or review. To catch all of the latest information and show notes, please go over to our website, businessawardshow.co.uk. Thank you.